my name is Mimi Elvin Matt, and this is the Prophet's Wife Show. All right, so um, today on the show, I have a special guest, a godly woman, a woman you would love to talk to, a woman you would love to, you know, have a one-on-one with. And this is a woman that whenever I come into contact with, I feel like, no, I don't want to go. All right, so before I introduce you, go for a short break, and then when we come back, we'll take it from there. Thank you. Alright, so you know the handle. Just you always have to get interactive with us on Instagram as Mimi Elvenad and on Facebook as Mimi Elvenad Nelson Nation. And on YouTube is the Prophet's Wife Show with Mimi Elvenad. Don't go away, stick and stay with us. Okay, thank you for staying with us. I'm back and my special guest is ready. All right, so today on the show we have Lady Reverend Ashley Wet Mills. Ah, I don't know. Um, let me just allow my mommy to introduce herself. I mentioned her name, but I want her to do the introduction herself. All right, mommy, you're welcome to the show. Thank you, Mimi. What an honor. Um, I'm the chief servant of the Most High God. Privileged to be called by God and used by Him. Mm. Um, I'm a lawyer by training and a pastor by calling. And I'm also called to be the wife of Bishop Darkie with Mills. And uh, I'm also a biological and a spiritual mother. Wow, thank you. Alright, so let's set the ball rolling. Uh, Mommy, when did ministry start for you? Hmm. It's a bit difficult to define because when the chapters of your life are rolling, it's not like in a book that you have chapter one, chapter two. Um, the time seems to flow into the next one and then the next one. So I would say that I was born again through my Sunday school teacher, Reverend Yamwa, who is still alive in the States. and. Um, at the age of nine, and uh, I think it saved me for a, a lot of foolish things. Not because I was wise, but because the God in me guided me, shielded me, and protected me. And then I went through high school, but through it all, my I started by being taught Christian service. So at the age of nine, my teacher taught me to preach in marketplaces, in secondary schools, in universities, and even at Akunedi Shrine, and I saw God move in those places. Although I must say, I didn't understand it too well, but now when I look back. And then in secondary school, I attempted to drift a bit, but it didn't work because I think the seed in me was still there. And then I was still a Bible study leader and active in church, or rather in fellowship, and it continued to the university. But mm. I think my roots grew deeper when I met Bishop Dag as my leader of my fellowship. And then, if you would like, formal full time ministry came maybe some 30 something years ago after uni. Okay. 
But it wasn't after marriage. No. But I came into full time after marriage. So how do you combine ministry? Ministry being a wife and a mother? I don't think it's easy. Okay. And I think it's wearing many hats. Um, it's ministry being a mother and when I was in professional life, being a professional and then being a, a pastor to others and taking care of your own self. It takes a lot of the grace of God, I must say. And I think that God also gave me nuggets of wisdom as I went along what to do. And I did learn from other Christians in ministry, especially through messages and um, through maybe a few counseling sessions, but mainly through messages and looking at older Christians who were ahead, especially in America. Wow. Okay. And how do you maintain your spirituality in the midst of chaos? You know, when you're down, when you feel like everything is, how do you maintain that? Because anytime I speak with you, there's this like love God, this kind of vibe. So I'm like, so how is she able to always do that? Because anytime I speak with you and I'm about to be, and even when you're praying for me, you're like, God, just your love in her should be more, should be deeper. And so, how do you, how are you able to maintain that? Hmm. What I think is that my need draws me to God. Okay. So I think that well, I look at people and I think, oh, they must be very strong not to need God not to need Jesus and not to always stumble into his presence, then they must be very self-sufficient, which I am not. So I think that my inadequacies and insufficiencies make me want to seek a higher power. And then also being in ministry, especially where I sit, it's a very lonely position. Because you get very few people you can share with who will even understand what you're saying. It's not that they don't want to understand, but they just don't have the tools to understand. And uh, now I'm inclined to think that it's God who leads you there. But God's calling and His anointing separates you and makes you a lonely person in the midst of plenty. So it may be in a very huge congregation, things are going on. You as a minister's wife can really feel alone. Who do you talk to when you are down? Who lifts you up when you are down? Even when you tell people, oh, I'm not feeling so great today. This, oh, but you're a woman of faith. Oh, just rise up. And, <laughs> but in the presence of God, you can be yourself. So I think that that is what draws me to him. I'm not a superwoman, but I have found that that works for me so much because sometimes there's no way to turn to except to God. So when David says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills, from whence coming, I can understand. When Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, I am the one who can do nothing without him. So whether it's parenting, whether it's pastoring, because as pastors, sometimes we carry a lot of the people's burdens, which they don't know. 
It even causes us sleepless nights as we we battle with what they are going through before our own issues and before the vision God has given to your husband or whatever and how you can be a part of it. All that, the only still place I know of is the presence of God and I'm driven there. The Bible says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Mommy, you spoke about the vision of your husband. Your vision, how do you separate your, your husband's vision from yours? Because um, you can, you always see um, men of God's wives always following the, for instance, because my husband is a man of God, I also have to be called, I have to be in ministry. It's almost always like that. So how do you separate yourself? Because someone might be in the corporate world, but then as time goes on, you see that maybe the husband becomes financially okay and then the woman will just drop everything and start ministry. How do you separate, how do you like, draw the line, Draw the line. differentiate the two, that this is my husband's vision, this is my vision? Hmm. I think that primarily every woman is called to be a helpmate. But it's the definition and meaning of the helpmate that's a problem. Does it mean if your husband is a businessman and he owns a shop, you want to be a helpmate, you jump into the shop? I don't think it means that. But I think help comes in different forms. And with ministry, yes, you are called to help, but in which area and how? God may not always call you to a pulpit ministry. When I look at my own personal life, yes, I, I, I do some preaching, but I think that a large part of what I do is not seen. Yes. And that happens to a lot of ministry wives, you know, whether they are interceding, especially if you're an intercessor. You're likely to be even overlooked, not appreciated, and your father who sees his secret is the only one who will From that you. is the point, the secret one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because everybody would think she just sits in church, she does nothing. Look at her. Someone right. even said uh, uh, she, she referred to that as ceremonial wife. Yes. Ceremonial wife. Ceremonial yes. Wife. You know that even in politics, people have ceremonial wives. It's like you have to look nice and you have to smile and you have to just follow your husband. But God has a calling for everybody. Have you said that? I am a strong proponent of the fact that you find your vision in your husband's vision and obedience. And I draw that from the Bible. When God called Abraham, you know, if I were Sarah, I'll be distraught, humanly speaking, because I've lived here all my life. I'm almost an old woman. They come and tell me God is calling us and calling you. And not only that, to a place where he will show you. You have no ge geographical coordinates. I can't read about it. I don't know where you're going. So sometimes I think that Sarah had to have more faith or like faith, like Abraham, to follow when you don't know where the person leading you is going to. And it's only Genesis chapter 16, I believe, that God uh, decides to talk about Sarah, change her name, give her a vision and all that. So most women, if not all, should learn to incorporate themselves into their husband's vision. And also if you are helping somebody, usually the person you are helping, who knows where best he needs help. Having said that, sometimes I'll, I'll 
Husbands don't also know where they need their help. Mm. But you can see like Abigail, that you need help here, you need help here. You don't need to rub it in, but you just rise up and provide the help. You know, so yes, um, it's difficult. And sometimes when you don't have a public ministry, people think you are not spiritual. I don't think so. It's what God has told you to be, because the Bible talks about helps ministry, it talks about the fivefold means, it talks about administration and all that, which I do a lot of administration and helps ministry. And if you came to my church every Sunday, you may conclude that I don't do anything. Because you just see me sitting in church, listening to the bishop preach, writing notes. And this woman, so what's her calling? But if you draw the curtain, my God knows what it involves. Thank you. Um, Moni, I know you to be a role model and mentor to a lot of people, not just women of Messy God. Mercy on clip. <laughs> not just women of God, even women. I think most women look up to you when it comes to ministry, marriage. Um, does this put pressure on you? Like you being a mentor, a role model, does it put pressure? I have never felt the pressure. Okay. But yesterday and today, I met so many people, which I do anyway, but this time, it was really back to back, you know. And uh, just this afternoon, I was at the bank, and uh, I just took my ticket and took my turn. I sat down. Then a young man comes. He also takes his ticket and he sits by me. He says, "Did you have a good afternoon?" A good afternoon. <laughs> oh, I just got married, and you know, you are our mother. I said, "No, oh. I'm just a vessel of clay," you know. The Bible says, "Looking unto Jesus," so it can be frightening, but. I'm glad that I share my life's experiences and I hope that I'm real and down to earth so that people don't think I live in this cloud and uh, that I don't have the challenges they have. Often we ministers' wives even have more challenges than they know that is grace is sufficient. Okay. Um, when did you start traveling to do ministry, like traveling out to preach? Was it after your children got to a certain age, or you started when even they were young? I started when, I, I when they were young, but most of it was orchestrated by my husband. Okay. He said, start this ministry, this is the name, go. Sometimes he would even say, why don't you talk to the ladies about this? About I remember that. 25 reasons why some women may not get married. He told me to preach about without giving me the 25 reasons. So <laughs> I went to God and I asked him for the 25 reasons. So I, I got used to traveling with my children, whether it was locally or... And my husband and I used to travel a lot together at the time because um, the ministry hadn't become as large and the children were still young. So we traveled a lot with the children. And I traveled also a lot with them everywhere, just to be able to obey God at the same time. Well, you didn't affect your schooling. No, I, I structured my meetings such that there were a few times I took them out. Just so that we could be close as a family, but I didn't overdo it. <laughs> and they also look like, I wouldn't say most, some single women of God. I don't know whether it's a delay, but I feel like they delay in getting married. And I don't know whether it's from the man, maybe they see it as she's already into ministry and 
what what would you say to the young men out there and the single woman of God who is trying to you know, do something for herself? I think the men feel intimidated. Mm. Knowingly or unknowingly, and they feel that she's a woman of God, she's a prophetess, I can't marry her, she's above me, um, she's probably spiritually stronger, and she will not be submissive. But it's not always the case, <laughs> especially if she loves God. She's likely to try to live in the way God says. But it's even in the secular world, when a woman is very educated, very yes. successful, some men get intimidated, and it takes a stronger man to be able to marry him. But I haven't said that. I would also say that as a single woman, even if you are in ministry, there's a way of having deference. There's a way of looking soft and feminine and yet firm. So we should look to balance that, because it's a strength a woman has, and that will also attract a man. You know. That is true. <laughs> and Lauren, what would you say to a man married to a, a, a man married to a, a, a woman of God, but the man is not called, but the woman? Is the I woman. know one apostle whose husband is very supportive, and um, she's spoken to me a number of times, and she says that she is so glad that her husband is not in ministry, because she thinks he would have said, "You think you preach like me? Stop this! You think back." Because their worlds are so different, it doesn't come up. And she says that he even supports her a lot financially for her to become all that she can become. So some men, I think, are more confident and secure, you see. But we could also help the man in your life to feel more secure. But even when you are home, even if you are not a minister, but let's say you are a lawyer, you're a doctor, and already you're a lawyer. People will give you a label before you even yeah. say anything. It's like lawyers are too normal. Mm -hmm. They're argumentative, yeah. arrogant, and they don't listen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but when you come home, you can just believe God to have the grace to be humble, to become a wife. You put your weight down, you put your degrees down, you just become yourself. That's your professional life. So you just, but at home, uh, you are not my lord, and uh, you, your husband doesn't stand up like the people in court when you are coming, justice so and so presiding. You just become a wife. You serve, you love, you care. I think some of it, most of the time, you do. Okay. Thank you. How do you secure your home from abuse from church members? Because I know sometimes these church folks can be some way. How do you secure? Sometimes, you know, you go out there and Maybe the reaction will make you go home and you know, vent your anger on your husband, or maybe the woman is the one called. How do you secure in order not to let the things that happen in the church get to? It's very difficult because ministry is really a part of you. And what you will discover is that most of your quarrels are not about you. It's often about church members and arguments, not about the two of you. So I think the earlier the two of you realize that, the better. And perhaps to make a decision not to carry over the issues to the house, so that you can just relax and have peace at home. It is important. And then also, some people don't have boundaries. Anybody at all can walk in at any time and all that. So the man as a leader must stand up 
and have some boundaries and have places where you can meet people and places where you cannot meet people. You know, you need to work on that. Even when you are not in ministry, but you do anything to do with public life. Let's say you are a politician. I think that is why some of our presidents have two homes. Okay. The place where they relax and the place where they receive people. Because perhaps they wisened up to see they needed the two. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Or do you have a ministry for women in this in church? Um, we have never really had like a women's fellowship in our church, never. Okay. But we have had women's conferences. That's what we've had. So the names, daughter, I can make it. She had done. Which it's all for the conference, the event, which is usually if it has come on just a weekend. But we don't have a group called Women's Fellowship like we have in most of our Orthodox churches or even other churches. We don't have that. It's the event. We do the event of. We have done the event of just women's, but we've never had. A women's ministry in the church. Mommy, would you say it is wrong for a woman to <laughs> check the background of the man he's, she's going to get married to, the man who's proposed to her, for instance, his financial background, whether he's okay, before you accept a proposal? You should, you should check his background more of his work with God. <laughs> <laughs> because. Um, the money can get finished. Seasons can change. So I think that it's like you base your everything on material things as a Christian. Then I, first of all, I question your, your Christianity and I think you are being too carnal. And when you do that, usually you are in for surprises. But I think that you should check the background of a man. Does he love God? Does he love God? How does he make decisions? How does he make choices? How is the fear of God in his life? Does it play out in his life? Then even when you check his background, as who are his parents, sometimes it's not because you want to put the person down, but because it will help you to understand where the person is coming from. And therefore in the marriage, it may help you to understand or to be more compassionate towards, but to marry based on the standing of the man, I think it's a bit dangerous because it changes. My husband, was a doctor when we got married, or was going to be a doctor when we got married. And then eventually he passed out as a doctor. But just the year after passing out, he told me, I believe God wants me to come full time. So suddenly, we are without a salary, we are without work, and our parents are not in support. So although they are very wealthy, they don't really lend their support to us. And we have to go on like that. So. It's like maybe you're expected to marry a doctor who will uh, specialize and become a cardiothoracic surgeon because that's what my husband was interested in and all that. And then that whole dream comes crashing. If your aspirations are based on that, it will affect the relationship. But if you marry the person and not the contents or the trappings, that will break for you to go far. Right. And as a pastor's wife, do you should you have a personal relationship with the church members? <laughs> this I <laughs> because I've been to conferences in America where they say that do not even take a church member for a friend. 
Um, Perhaps it's based on what they've seen, but I think that's also leads to a lot of isolation because a lot of church members are part of the body of Christ, and I think and believe from my own life that God gives them to you to enhance your life. So what I would say is love everybody, but choose your friends with care. And even when you do, have boundaries, you know. Sometimes people share all their problems with a friend, as if the friend is Jesus Christ, you know. But no human being can really represent God. And also, the arm of flesh sometimes will fail you. Although the Bible doesn't even say sometimes. It says the arm of flesh will fail you. So you need a lot of wisdom to know who to hang out with, who to not hang out with. But I think that you can still keep certain areas of your life to yourself and still be real. Because even God has secrets. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. And when Jesus would do certain things, he would say to the disciples, don't tell anybody. It's not everything you broadcast. So your friends are probably going to be in different categories. Close, closer, closest, not so close. Yes. You see. So I have friends and I have some good friends, but from the ones that are closest, by the grace of God, I've known them from high school. Oh. Do you see? And it's not that they are not human or they are not, but by God's grace, they are also married, they also have challenges. And if I'm talking to them, I will talk to them, but I will not talk to people who will run you down, run your husband down, mm -hmm. and then before you know it's on Daily Graphic, Joy FM, I enjoy online news, you don't need a help, and you know that the person is like that. So that's why I think one of the gifts of the Spirit is the discernment of spirits. You know, and I pray sometimes with some ladies, but I always say, even in my preaching, that I share prayer topics, but I don't share details. I may say, um, let's share this verse that uh, pray for, this. the Bible says there will be peace within your gates and prosperity within your borders also, or the other way around. So I say pray for peace within my gates and prosperity within my borders. It solves whatever problem I'm dealing with, but it's a verse. I didn't say it's based on one, two, three, two. It takes wisdom to package your conversations and without letting out too much. Because my mother had a secretary, she had a best friend, she let out everything to this best friend. She moved out of her house after one year because of what she was going through. Went back to get a few things. And there was her friend in hot pants, stirring soup for her husband. And what was in the soup? All the things this lady had said her husband likes. So you have sold it to the hands of the enemy without me. And that is where even staying in this presence comes in. God revealed so many things to me, for me without my going out of my way to look for it. I should have just close to him, you know? And sometimes I even say, God, oh, why do you reveal so much to me? Even things that are not part of me, on far more, but you know. <laughs> he will just let me come into us. Lord, why do you tell me this about all these people? And it's factual, clear, confirmed. So sometimes I'm an unwilling intercessor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Because when you are praying, you go 
like all around. Yes, all around. I do. Okay. Mommy, is it normal for a pastor's wife to feel the husband is paying more attention to the ministry than her? Uh, I feel like maybe when you feel that way, you're being carnal. So even if you feel like they just have to rebuke their feet, no, don't. Is it normal? It's very great. And um, I think that a pastor's wife or minister's wife has a very, very, very sacrificial grace that even her husband may not know about and the church members may not know about. So sometimes when she's overwhelmed and then she walks into church, and she sees that her husband can counsel some couple for two hours, but cannot give her even an hour of his time, it is natural that she will feel it. But having said that, being a pastor myself, I also end up sometimes counseling people for four hours in this office, and I get away exhausted. I still do what I have to do, but I may not give my husband Four hours of the night, you know. So, when you also do the same work, in no, fact, it makes you very understanding and sober. <laughs> so, it is important. <laughs> okay. Um, when but I... when you feel like that, it is natural. You see, God allows us to be natural, but He's saying that do not be overcome by your flesh. That's all He's saying. And we should also learn to talk about our concerns without it being complaining and grumbling, but women are so emotional, so they add so many things to what they are coming to say. But we should practice before we come and speak. <laughs> so that we are not too emotional. Instead of saying, eh, you spent so much time counseling. Sometimes you practice, but you go there and everything goes. Yeah, so you, you are coming from the very wrong premise. But if you come and you say, oh, you know, I feel so much like I wish you'd give me a little more time, you know. And it's said that when you say something to somebody and the benefit is for you, mm-hmm. people are selfish, so they don't, whatever. So the good form of communication is to let it be like it's for the person's benefit. So I feel that I should have more time for you. <laughs> you know, say, really, how? Oh, by talking to you, being alone with you, you know, making you happy in the bedroom. Oh, really? Then the person goes right, and in it, you also find it. <laughs> <laughs> it takes wisdom. Okay, so Mumi, um, because um, today's show isn't live, because we go live on Saturdays, I sent a couple of pastors' wives messages and questions they would want me to ask you. And most of the questions was on submission. So one person said, I'm like, no, we are done with submission. But almost all the <laughs> submission. So I just took one and it said, how does a, a wife submit to a husband who doesn't love her? It's a difficult one. But the Christian life is not tit for tat or you do, I do. You see, and I think that one of the cardinal things in Ephesians 5 about submission is wives submit yourselves not somebody forcing you, unto your own, own, own husbands. That's the second point. And then, as unto the Lord. It's very important. Because if you don't see the God factor, 
you can't submit. Because sometimes he doesn't deserve a submission. But if it's Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the God factor makes you able to submit. That's why I always say, love God. Because when you love him, you will look at it. It's not about your husband. It's about God and how much you love him. And I believe personally that my life has been blessed and all that because God has always given me the grace to love him. So sometimes I say, God, I don't feel like doing this. But like Peter, nevertheless, at your word, and I follow the word of God, sometimes, if you like, blindly. And God always comes through. So obedience before complaint, and obedience looking at God as your rewarder. Because the Bible says he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, not a punisher. So God will reward you outside your marriage, outside who your husband is, because of who you are. So Abigail is because of who she was that she didn't get killed with Nabal. Nabal died through no fault of Abigail. And she rather got married to David, which is also a whole story, but... <laughs> you know, so I feel that submission is easier when you look at God. And then number two, we are very good at submitting to other people's husbands, like our bosses. When you go, you work in the bank. You don't like the colors of standard chatter, but you still wear the uniform. Your boss speaks to you anyhow. You don't fly off the handle. I'm not saying you have much to speak to you anyhow, but you understand submission so much in the context of work. But when it comes to the marriage, then you say, oh, it's slavery. What about at work? They say that be here from nine to five. You don't kick against it. That is somebody's husband. They say where blue and green. You wait, but in fact, we had to go and count. When your husband says, oh, David, must you have count? Authority is everywhere, not only in marriage. Everywhere you go, whether you are at work, in the hospital, they say, patient, sit here. When doctor comes, he will call you. And Mrs. Adlady Ward Mills, you have to say yes and go in. Submission. <laughs> Do you see? So there's submission everywhere. Everywhere. And you submit without thinking. When it comes to marriage, then you get all over the world. I'm not a doormat and I'm not. I'm not saying you should be treated as a doormat. I'm not saying you should not be respected. But I'm saying that submission is not a bad thing. If it's not bad at work, it's not bad in school, it's not bad in all the works of life, then it's not bad in marriage. But it is who you are looking up to. And also when I say that, you see, such shows are very few minutes. So the people say, ah. she said that even if you are abused, you, you, you should be in your marriage and submit. I'm not saying that. So, but the time to talk about everything is not possible. That's why we have podcasts. That's why we have messages, so that you get the entirety of it all. So you need wisdom like that. What does the Bible say? She said that she was a woman of good understanding. We need good understanding about submission, good understanding about how to maneuver in an abusive, whether it's verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive. You don't say that for a man to kill you and say, Remember, I always submit to that you leave your children. Are you crazy? <laughs> no. Okay. So there's a way of submitting that with wisdom, like Abigail. Okay. Mommy, and the question like, 
a married man and a wife in the same like this couple in a church and the wife is not submissive but then they go to church and this wife is so humble in front of the pastor calling oh, the pastor sir everything the pastor asks for should we do yes that is it's contrary to scripture and it says that your husband will be worn to you by your behavior first peter 3 if even he's not obeying the word when i was growing up as a christian i thought it meant if he's an unbeliever it means that and sometimes your believer husband may not be obeying the word also or an aspect of the word and it is your behavior that will tell you but when i say behavior it doesn't mean don't ever complain don't say what is wrong behave as if all is well the bible says lie not against the truth so you have to be truthful but speak the truth in love there's a balance everywhere and because we don't spend time in the world, we are just like the world. We react like the world. We believe in non-submission like the world. We are going to join me to movement. Because we don't have direction. The world is light. If only we'll get into it, we'll get so much light. From how should a pastor's wife, a pastor's husband, handle betrayal, abuse from church members, or even the husband of the wife? She should first go to the world. The Bible says you are not greater than your master. If Jesus suffered betrayal, why are you not expecting betrayal? Why? I was telling my husband, I said, you know, betrayal happens, we get shocked, we recover, it happens again, and we are shocked again, and you wonder, what did you learn? You know, because, I don't know, sometimes you feel, oh, not with this person. Mm-hmm. But as my husband Trust. says, Judas was so perfect that when Jesus said, somebody will betray me, nobody knew that it was Judas. It wasn't obvious. We are reading the Bible and we think, oh, you are a Judas. But among the disciples, Lord, who is it? Because when we look, nobody around us is like that. So I think that betrayal is part of life. It's sad. You know, sometimes the truth is painful, but it's true, Mimi. Betrayal is part of life. And how did Jesus deal with betrayal? I realized that when he went on the Mount of Transfiguration, he didn't go with Judas. And when he went with them to Gethsemane, he took the three to go further. So they are disciples, yes, but among the disciples, you go further with some, and you don't go further with some. The Bible says he did not entrust himself to man because he knew what was in man. I think it's John 18. My last question. Last week, we treated what... um, are some of the things husbands wish their wives knew. <laughs> okay, so my last question to you is, what are some of the things wives wish their husbands knew? Hmm. I think first of all, if we all lived by the Bible, life would be easier. Hmm. But we live part and we don't live part and it brings a lot of problems. And then also the Bible says, in First Peter 3, verse 7. Given honor unto the woman as unto the weaker vessel. So, I don't think we are weaker in content, but the vessel, the carrier, is weaker. We are emotionally weaker in the sense of what hurts us. We are weaker in that most of us cry easily, but later you toughen up. My mother says that, when you are married for a while, you are in a university, so later you toughen up because 
investing in aqua and what you baby in your masters. <laughs> but yes, so if the men could also know that we are women, but not to despise the fact that she's weaker. The Bible says giving honor, not despisement, honor unto her as the weaker vessel. So respect the fact that she's a weaker vessel. Number two, know that she's not like you. Therefore, she will not process like you. You know, so you will say, oh, leave this thing, it's okay. What? She's not like you. But Jesus, he became us so that he can feel for us. So I'm not saying do a sex change like the Kardashians, but I'm saying put yourself in the other person's shoes and say, if I, I, I was my wife, and then I always went out with someone, how will my wife feel? It will immediately make you a bit more understanding. And women just want sympathy and understanding, which men say is difficult, but I don't think it's difficult. I think it's very easy to make a woman happy, if you believe it. But most men, brothers, don't believe it. And I, the women want you to just walk with them. They just want a friend. They want somebody they can cry on. They want somebody they can be deep with. So you are not a woman, but you can be like a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And when you are empathetic and sympathetic, you will win your wife over. 90%. That's what I think women wish men would. And even in the bedroom, men don't know they have to be romantic. You have not minded your wife the whole day. And when the lights go off, action. That's not like that. <laughs> even these cameras, before they set up, they do this, they do this, they do this, they do this, before they say action. It's the same in the bedroom. So you have to prepare her, you know? Buy her gifts, take her out. Tell her nice things. Every day she tells, she hears you telling nice things to other people. Oh, you look good, you look smart. And she's looking even better than them, but you've taken her for granted. So you have to consciously give her what you want and you will get it out of her. Woman's a computer. What you put in. Garbage in, garbage out. If you put a good thing in, you get a good thing out, usually. Thank you so much. Mom, what, what, what advice will you give to us? The woman out there watching you, married woman, a woman in ministry, what, what, what would you? My heart is really broken because in this day and age, there are a lot of women's movements, very secular, not necessarily Bible based. They say that they are feminists, they say they are liberating the woman, and many young girls are flocking to these places because they have. Nobody to look up to. They have nobody to address their issues. They are told that their issues are like general issues, you know. And so if the world will give them specialized care, they drift towards that. And before we know, we are bringing up a rebellious generation, a generation that doesn't feel God, and a generation that is just ignorant. They don't know. So any wind that blows, that looks attractive, any wind on Instagram, they just go for it. But we should forget about always dealing with our problems and reach out to these young ones wherever we are, bear fruit. And I believe that God will use that to raise an army. Even like this show, I pray that some naive, simple-minded young lady, young girl, middle-aged, 
older woman would hear it. And the Bible says, write the vision down and run with it. But we write it down, sometimes even in our notebook, and sit with it, and sleep with it, and snore with it. So God help us. Thank you so much, for staying with us. God richly bless you. I hope you learned something from what Mommy has just taught us. Please, just like you said, love God. Go defy to the things of God. Don't let anyone influence you negatively. Just make sure you follow Christ in all you do. I love you. Stay blessed. See you next week. Bye.